death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. And recording. Ah, welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, a podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to the horror lifestyle. My name is Joe Avella, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, please do on New Flesh Podcast. Uh, my name is Brett Arnold, at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Uh, we're coming here on a special <laughs> Zencaster episode, which means nothing to you guys. We had some uh, mm-hmm. audio difficulties this uh setting this up, but I, I hope this sounds all right. And we're here today to talk about a few things. I saw the new Alexandre Aja, uh, Sam Raimi produced uh, alligator movie called mm-hmm. Crawl. Yep. I saw that. Uh, you and I watched the new Into the Dark Hulu Blumhouse Culture Shock, which a lot of people mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And we also watched The Gollum, which is new to Netflix. Um, it's a Israeli movie, but it's in English and it's very interesting. And, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about today. Great. You, your volume is a little high. So maybe back off an inch on that mic. Got it. Thank you. Um, yeah. And of course we'll have lots of bits and pieces, uh, including news about the rabid remake. Uh, something's going on with the evil dead. Marilyn Manson might be in the stand. We got two Halloween flicks coming. And of course, Chris Rock saw news. Brett, how you doing? Got to tell you, great job on last week's episode where I was not in the second half. Really enjoyed the lively chat about Midsummer. Oh, thanks. I had a really good time. I always love when Jordan and Emma are here and Tommy. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I love that Jordan just kept getting back to Star Trek. It's very funny. Um, Yeah, I had a good week. Uh, uh, It was Mandy and I's second two-year anniversary this weekend. So we went out to dinner. You got to dinner? We went out to dinner in, I guess it was Williamsburg, to this place called Trafe. It was like small plates uh, for the most part. And it was so fucking good. Like I'm still thinking about it. It was (laughs) incredible. Nice. Um, But yeah, besides that, I've been taking it easy. Um, just actually got some bad news about my comedy show this weekend. What, what happened? Um, the, the guy who owns the bar or like, I guess the, the group of people that owns the bar uh-huh. are either dissolving or they're selling it to, to another person or I don't quite understand what's happening, but basically the venue is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be the same name. They did a really horrific paint job to the front of it last week. And I was wondering what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just kind of told us out of the blue. He's like, yeah, this Tuesday is probably the last one. Because uh, we're 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 they're rebranding or they're reopening and closing. Like I don't really understand, but yeah, our show is a casualty of that. Did they have a so problem because a, it was it was called Coney? Was the bar Coney Island? The car the bar was Coney Island, baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the issue is. I just think it's to be honest with you. I just think the I just think they uh, you know they're bleeding money. I don't think they make any money. Um, how could they? they? I, it's, it's a it's a if it caters to regular people in Manhattan, it's losing money. Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be this venue, but like, you know, our show on Tuesday, which is free, is like the most people I've ever seen in there, you know? And like they have concerts every week that um, you know, it's just like bands that you know, you could be in that you if you were booking. So with, of course no know. one goes to that. Why would someone want to go hear a crappy band play so loud you can't talk or hear yourself think when you're in Manhattan and literally there's a million bars on every block? Yeah, it's a tough sell, and that's why you know we were stoked that they gave us the sure. the space for the comedy show for free. And like, 
it was always just kind of a tension between like them being like, yeah, can we charge for your show? And we're like, well, no, I feel like the reason people are coming is because we don't. And like that would kind of change the dynamic. And we were definitely doing a show that was like worthy of, you know, a five to $10 cover charge, but that was not the point. And like, we just never want, they wanted to do drink minimums and we were always like, no. So were people coming and not drinking? People were coming and drinking, but not to their, you know, they're, they're, they wanted like two grand every show or something. And like a couple of times, like, you know, we would get there sometimes and we wouldn't some other times, but their attitude always struck me as interesting considering, you know, there's a show after ours every week and I watch the crowd leave and, and no one stay. Yeah. And like every, anytime they like got all snippy, I'm like, listen, like we're bringing people in. Um, yeah, no shit. Sure. Like you yeah. bring people in, like what you, you know, sell more fucking alcohol, I guess have a drink special. I, know. I, fi- I, know. I find it hard I to believe they couldn't get two grand of drink sales from a packed house. And how, how long is the show? Two hours? Uh, it's probably like 90 minutes, but like, I mean, people get there a little early. Yeah. They, they should have, yeah, they didn't cater with their good enough specials. Really. They were really, they had like a really, uh, annoying, I think it was a credit card minimum to start. And like some people were turned off by that, Mm -hmm. which always is no good. Um, yeah. I mean, they didn't basically, they, they never really tried to, to do anything. Yeah. And I don't know. We basically did everything. I, 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 you know, they didn't have a door person. They didn't have a sound person. Like I did everything. So it was very low, low maintenance for them. But to their credit, the owner, uh, the owner guy, um, basically like he felt bad and he like found us an alternate space that, you know, we don't like it and we're not going to use it. But like he went as far as to like, you know, my friends own this bar and they said you could do it here. Where's the bar? Like, why does it suck? Uh, it sucks because it has a, it has a bad reputation with, with, um, with comics because they used to have shows there. It's, I guess it's, uh, it's on two a, I don't really know anything about it. It's like mermaid something or other uh-huh. mermaid lounge or something. Sounds familiar. Um, but yeah, when I told the comics about, uh, my two hosts about it, they were like, yeah, that place is like infamous, not a great comedy space. So, um, we're going to, I guess, look for another space. But as of now, that show, I guess is ending on Tuesday with a really good lineup though, with uh, a partner on Sharla and Lisa Traeger, uh, Guy Montgomery and Ian Carmel, bunch bunch of fun people on it. So come out on Tuesday if you're in New York. Why should I go to a comedy show when I can just listen to that comedian's podcast at home? <laughs> um, it's a good point. I mean, I don't know if you like. I don't know. Stand up comedy shows are either a thing you like or you don't. And uh, if you enjoy that, our our show was a good one. You know, I pride myself on booking lineups that. You know, my girlfriend and her friends who would never go to something like this would, you know, sure, always say like this was actually really good and really funny. And like I love the shock in people's voice whenever they would come, and it was actually good. <laughs> They're always like, "Oh yeah, that was really funny." Because I think people get burned by comedy shows always. more often than they don't. Well, I want to say like yeah. comedy. I mean, it's like old man alert, but like comedy's been famous or like really popular in the mainstream for like you know ten years at this point. I know it's always been around, but like stand up comedy is becoming like a a normal thing all of a sudden now to go back to what we said before about music, but live music and bars have been around since like the sixties and literally no one wants to go to a bar with a band because it ruins it. But if it was like the nineties, people are like, Oh yeah, this club's awesome. There's like a different rock band there every night. So it's taking people a while to kind of realize, uh, I don't want to go to a thing where like someone's doing this thing. You know what I mean? Like it's a real hard sell to get lots of people to go out with their friends to socialize, but also be like, and now let's be quiet and let the show. Like nobody wants to do that. They want to sit and talk with their friends or try and get laid or watch a really loud baseball game. 
So live music and live comedy just for most people just equals like an unnecessary interruption. And it's also, I mean, yeah, you've been, I'm sure you've been to plenty of packed houses with bad comedy. And it's like, it's palpable how awful the time everyone's having. Yeah, I hate that. And that's why I started doing shows because, you know, I just felt like I could do better than this. Yeah. And uh, I could. And it was fun. And I hope it continues. Oh, good luck, buddy. Sorry about that. That is, it is, it is, t- it is a yeah, tough it's okay. gig to do. What are you going to do? It is what it is. Yeah. yeah what are you going to do? How are you doing? Mmm. Mm. I'm fine. I'm just taking sipping some coffee. I'm fine. Nothing really <laughs> new to, uh, on this part before this podcast, Mo and I did, well, not Skype, but Zoom video uh, conference for a bunch of uh, potential actors for the pilot that we're going to be shooting in September. And that went pretty well. A lot, a lot of good talented people. It was callbacks, which I like. So people kind of, you know, we had already weeded out the maniacs. And uh, <laughs> dude, I will say this. And as a person who I'm just helping my wife put this thing together, and you are someone who puts together comedy shows, it is amazing how incompetent most people are, right? <laughs> yes. I've, I've never been involved in hiring anyone, at least not been like the person who's the hiring. Our friend and my colleague, Sydney Kramer, has been overseeing like getting some interns and stuff and like now with my wife just doing this it's it's really perplexing when you kind of ask or look like when you put something out there like hey for, I'll, I'll use this thing we're working on as an example but also like with insider and, and i'm sure you're trying to get com- comedy people to your show just a simple hey i'm putting this thing together can you either send me these materials or be on time for this thing or whatever how few people can actually do that and then when you do communicate with them they're so dumb and entitled you're just like i can't believe you're actually like trying to make this happen like with this acting thing like we again we had some really great people come back for the callbacks but just trying to whittle this list down of putting like open open uh, open i guess casting auditions and putting things on various websites to try and get like actors to come out it's like you would not believe the level of stupidity that some people have just just to do the basic forget about if they can act or not just to basically you know do the thing you're asking them to do and these are people who are like are pursuing acting and right. you, know, you just you just like you walk away and you're like that person was so obnoxious and so ill-prepared and and had a gazillion questions and had a million excuses why they had to reschedule or show up late or not show up at all. You're like, look, I don't even care if you're the best actor in the world. I would never want to work with you because you're so dumb and, and irresponsible. You know, So it's nice to finally get into a, I guess, digital room of people who you're like, oh my God, you showed up on time and you read the lines. And you didn't complain the whole time. And you didn't have a million excuses of why you couldn't make it. And like when we said, I mean, <laughs> there's people who are like, hey, we're looking for actors. And people will go back, hey, I know you're looking for this, but uh, how about this completely different thing you didn't ask for? You're like, yeah, no, we don't want that. Like, why did you even reach out and tell me that? You know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. shit. It's like, fuck this. So it's, it's, it was really stressful the past couple of weeks, but now already I'm like a sigh of relief. We had enough good people. I mean, we had a lot of good people. We could, we could cast the, sh- the pilot with the people who auditioned today, but we have um, another group of people later tonight that most says are all really great too. So it's already like, okay, all right. At least we got like some good people to choose from, which I'm excited about. All right. Good. Yeah, so that's uh, that's just slowly coming together. But we got uh, bits and pieces to talk about before we do that. This podcast that for 11 minutes we've talked to zero about horrors is a horror <laughs> movie podcast 
where, uh, that is uh, supported by listeners like you. Yes, you. So if you want to donate a monthly donation to Patreon to this podcast, really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com backslash new flesh podcast or go to patreon.com and search new flesh podcast. And you'll see starting as low as $2 a month, you can support this podcast. We have all kinds of fun things you can be a part of. We have a secret uh, super fans only Facebook group where we talk about all the latest horror stuff. Everyone's becoming best friends in this exclusive group. If you want to join, there's a payment tier. You got to go there. We also got a uh, two extra bonus episodes a month we like to put out for, uh, for fans that people seem to enjoy. We've interviewed Larry Fessenden for it. You and I have talked about our cats, ad nauseum about it as well. Lots of fun stuff going on there. So if you guys want to check that out or if you want to just throw us a couple bucks, please do go to patreon.com new flesh podcast. And with that, uh, we have our bits and pieces. We're talking about the horror movie news and it has a theme song. My cat's looking right in my eyes. So cat looking right in my eyes, bits and pieces. Wow. That was a good one. Thank you. Um, this made me laugh really hard. I'm sure I sent it to you. Maybe I didn't. Um, Oh, what was that? Me shutting the patio door. What do you <laughs> um, Movie Pass says it will go <laughs> dark for quote several weeks to update its app. So this is, I feel like it has to be like the last gasp of breath from from this company. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're just saying to their customers, uh, "This is the CEO to, uh, in the message to the customers. There's never a good time to have to do this." But to complete the improved version of our app, one that we believe will provide a much better experience for our subscribers, it has to be done. And it's just the app is, it's been out since last Thursday morning, and it's not expected to go back up for several weeks, which means MoviePass is not functioning at the moment, mm-hmm. which means uh, MoviePass subscribers are uh, paying. I think they're still paying. I bet they're still I paying. Think, I bet I they're still paying. And, uh, and, the how company- can- and how do you cancel your subscription without the app? Uh, good fucking luck. Yeah, you have to cut, you have to get a hold of them somehow. Probably yeah. uh, the company says it'll credit customers for days affected and won't bring on any new subscribers while the service is down. Um, I just like what could the update possibly be? The, the Here's, whole... what Here's what it is. Everyone lives in the neighborhood where this has happened. Close for remodeling, and then one day you walk past the building and it's something different. Nobody wants to announce they're going out of business, so they act like. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna close for a second to retool some stuff because because it sounds like oh wow they're getting ready for something new but no I just guarantee that it doesn't go back up and the only people who are better paying for it right now are people who signed up and forgot or just been paying the whatever ten or twelve dollars a month they're just not are just like yeah I use it sometimes I don't know ten bucks a month who cares you know sometimes I use it a lot so I I, I guarantee whoever is still on there doesn't know this is happening and it's probably just one day going to be like, Hey, what happened? Go to the movies in two months and be like, why isn't my, where's my movie pass app? Oh, they went out of business. That's weird. Guaranteed. This, they're not coming back. This is it. This is, this is considering how shady this company is. It's been effectively dead for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I think, I think they're actually done. This is the equivalent um, of the boss being like, Hey, I'm going to go get some lunch. I'll be right back. And they never come back. The, the father going out to get cigarettes yeah. and milk and never coming back. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, AMC A-List is great. Uh, if you want a movie pass clone that, you know, unfortunately you got to stick to AMCs, but it works. It's cheap. 20 bucks a month, three movies a week. It's really great. Can you get stuff in advance? I already have my tickets for the Tarantino movie. Mm. I already have my tickets for the Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Very excited. Um but Regal just announced they're doing one soon, so that'll be out, and that's a whole other chain of theaters that opens themselves up. It'll apparently be about the same, and it will be unlimited. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what other companies do it? Uh, Alamo Draft House is in the in the beta stage, but they're going to do it. So there are, you know, there are MoviePass did inspire subscription based uh, services across the industry, and I will be forever grateful for MoviePass. Um, but I think they need to just die. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good idea for a while, but I mean, like most things, I mean, like, I don't know, uh, free healthcare in America, it's it's impossible to introduce this new customer-facing business that includes, like, I don't know, three or four money-making industries that, to be honest, didn't have the issues that this thing solved. I'm certain, you know, to go, hey, AMC, Lowe's, and all these ones, we're going to be giving people cheaper tickets to fill your seats. I feel like they were like, well, you know, obviously we're not making as much money, but who the fuck are you to tell us? Like, you know, you, you decide our ticket prices, you know? Uh, there's a thing in, that I use here in Los Angeles called Spot Hero. I don't know if I've mentioned this to people before. And the idea I've used it before. Yeah, and the yeah. idea is it seems pretty simple because obviously finding a spot in a city or place you don't know, uh, paid parking spots are a pain in the ass. So you can go on this app before you go, sit where you go, and it tells you all the places in the area that are walking distance that you can park and you can just buy it before you go and then use it as your pass to get there. Hey, I already bought it or whatever. The problem with this app is, is that every parking garage, at least in downtown LA that I've used, fucking hates it and is the biggest pain in the ass for it because... Oh man, I got reamed last time I used it yeah. in LA by this guy who like, he like, I was like subhuman to him because right. I used it. Because the thing is, in order for these apps to work where it connects customers to like a product is the people who are selling the product have to want to be doing this. And if you have a parking garage in a major city, the last thing you're hurting for is filling people up with those spots. If anything, it's like one of the last businesses where they can really just fucking gouge you, you know, because what are you going to do about it? And that, to me, I think can be applied to MoviePass where, yeah, I read the reports. Oh, you know, it's, it's end on end, it's going down. But by the way, um, the movie industry is the one that has a problem with the ticket sales, not the theaters, because the theaters make all their money on those expensive, expensive concessions. So I'm sure they're like, ugh. You know, it's just the studios and the theaters. It's like there was no amicable. We're happy about this. So they fucking pulled the plug on it. You know, it's hard to make this thing work for at least two industries. And let's say a third because MoviePass is a startup and therefore incredibly greedy. Like three incredibly greedy industries that don't want to like cut into their profits to, you know, for long term growth or whatever. So it's like, yeah, of course, they were just going to hem and haw and and back out of it. And no, sorry, MoviePass, but the, uh, yeah, and Cinemia is gone too. Yep. Cinemia is the other one, and that one's uh, shuttered a few months ago. And actually, Chase, you know, Chase paid for me to get. Basically, Chase paid for that fuck up. Like whatever. Yeah. I paid 120 for the year, yep. and I used it for four months. They paid the difference, so so they have to deal with that in court. I'm sure. Yeah. But I have nothing to do with it. Um, Movie pass so forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fitting end to a incredibly controversial filled thing. And yeah. goodbye forever. Next bit and peace. The so- next bit. The and- Soska sisters got banned from Twitter for promoting their rabid remake. Yeah, I'm not surprised considering that the AI just looks for you know violent oh, images. Imagery. Yeah, and yeah. anyone who knows the plot of Rabbit or has seen the um, the production stills for this movie, I mean, it, it's it's going to be a gory one. I hope it's good because the original Rabbit is a good-ish movie. It's one of Cronenberg's first, so it looks kind of bad. I mean, it has just that, like, terrible... It's very early on yeah. in his career. For yeah, Cronenberg, very, I mean, it, his, yeah. his ambition was was not met with the with the budget or his understanding of the industry, I think, unfortunately. It's a good story, but the movie... I mean, I watched it recently, a couple of years ago, and I was like, yeah, you needed some more dough on this one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
that's a good thing, I guess. It's like, okay, well. For a remake, yeah. Yeah, it's so brutal that uh, AI is flagging it for being uh, too awful for the internet. Because it feels like all the time I'm unfortunately seeing retweeted graphic imagery of, oh, I don't know, people dying while trying to get in this country. No problem sharing those images. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures of this this rabbit remake and this stuff looks pretty fucking brutal. So very looking forward to this movie. Yeah, I hope it's good. Um, this, this next news is actually something you brought to my attention and I, I'm fully mm. caught up on now. I think you, yeah, it was you who to- talked about how great HBO's Euphoria is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just started watching it. It is fantastic. I love it. It's my, it's the only thing I look forward to every week to watch now that's currently airing. Really? Um, yeah. HBO just renewed it for season two. So that's what I wanted to say. And, um, I just put together myself the other day that the show was created, written and directed by. Sam Levinson, who did Assassination Nation, the movie that I loved that last right? year that I, yeah, that I keep recommending people. It's on Hulu. You should watch it. Uh, yeah, you should still, if you like Euphoria, you should definitely watch uh, Assassination Nation. It's very similar aesthetic, I would say. Cool. I will. Yeah, you're right. It's also um, the producer of it is that guy who's like produced, he's like the biggest producer. He started in LA Law, Alice. Ellison, mm. what the fuck is his name? Me- Megan Ellison, or not Megan White? Ellison. No, or what the fuck is this guy's name? I guess it doesn't really matter. But uh, I think he's a, it's not the guy who barely knows now too. Now, this is gonna kill me. La 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 on this to get to this motherfucker's name. Yeah, you're just going to get a bunch of lawyers. This isn't worth anybody's time. I know. Maybe. Um, I'll maybe, keep going yeah. with news. Um, David Fincher's Mindhunter uh, is coming back to Netflix finally on August 16th. Very soon. Oh, never mind. I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking of Big Little Lies. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Big Little Lies has a whole other story this week. But I don't even know if our readers or our listeners care. Uh, but uh, Mindhunter, season two, August 16th. Great. Very excited. Yeah. Love that show. It's been. It feels like it's been forever since season one. It's been at least a couple of years, I guess. I think so. Let Fincher likes to take his time. Good for him. The new season will explore the Atlanta child murders, a series of killings between 1979 and 1981. At least 28 African American children, teenagers, and adults were killed during the time. Um, and Charles Charles Manson is expected to be included in this season. Everybody um, loves Manson. Uh, Sam Raimi teases yeah. Return of Evil Dead film franchise. Working on it, quote, we're working on ideas right now. I don't know how I feel about this. As an Evil Dead fan of the movies, and I enjoyed the show, but kind of tapered off after a while. I think we're, I think we're done with Evil Dead. Yeah, I think the original and the second one, and I mean, the original trilogy, the first three movies, yeah. I mean, they're always going to be there. They're great. Um, the first one is still, I mean, to the, it'll always be the movie that, like, I first, one of the first horror movies I ever saw, it scared the shit out of me. Now I think, you know, now I see the humor in it. Back then I certainly didn't. When I was a kid, I thought the movie was horrifying. Um, the, the remake, I wasn't super hot on. The one that fit the Fetty Alvarez that everyone loves. Yes, uh, I thought it was, you know, it has some good gore and stuff, but it, it doesn't feel like Evil Dead. It, it kind of loses, it loses something in translation from like this like scrappy indie movie to like this big studio production it's becoming you know? like the blues brothers where you're like um the more you do the less i like this yeah don't do a blues brothers two. don't do an evil dead 2000 yeah and i feel like i can't turn around without seeing bruce campbell in something i mean now he's hosting a show like let, let bruce just enjoy the rest of his life 
you know, I just, I just don't, I don't, yeah. see the, I don't, you know, he had said something when they, when the evil dead show got picked up, he's like, you know, we're going to be doing now, whatever, eight hours of evil dead for a season. And we got all these ideas and all these great people. And he was like, we're going to like, we're giving you guys so much evil dead. And then what, you know, when the show is gone, either last a season or 10 seasons, when it's gone, it's like, that's it. Like, it'll just be like the universe finally saying like, all right, nobody wants this anymore. And the fact that oh the show's gone I know so when the show is gone I just I just feel like one thing that we forget that defined Bruce Campbell for fucking decades was he was always people called him Ash he'd go to these conventions everyone called him Ash he jokingly would say sign things Bruce don't call me Ash Campbell you know for a while that this thing for better for worse plagued his career because it's a guy who wants to do other stuff. He's a Briscoe County Jr. He's always in Coen Brothers movies. I mean, the guy was working and got sick of everyone being like, when's Evil Dead coming back? When do we do more Evil Dead? He gets so sick of it. And then they made more. And he was like, great. Okay, we're doing the show again, everybody. So when it goes away, that clearly means that you don't want it anymore. And it went away. And for two more, it's just like, hey, we did I think 16 hours. People's argument, yeah, people's argument against you would be, oh, it was on Stars, so nobody watched it. And it's like, Okay, know. well, then I go, mean, go it, either buy it on yeah. iTunes or, or pay $9 and binge it for a month. For those guys, I'd just be like, yo, you have uh, three movies, a remake, and two seasons of 16 episodes, 16 hours, plus a, you have almost 20 hours of Evil Dead. That's that's enough. We've told all the Evil Dead story we can. The reason that I peeled off from it was like the first season was like a long version of a potential Evil Dead movie. You know, hey, we got to go do this one thing. And, and Ash and the two characters are on the way to do this one challenging thing, stop the book, whatever. They do it. It has one of those cliffhanger endings. And then it picks up again. It's like, okay, here we go again. And I'm like, I don't I don't want to, like, this season two, I think it tailed up because it was like, we're learning a little bit more about Ash's backstory. I don't give a shit. And also it was like, we're doing this again. It's another, we got to go find the book again and destroy the book. We didn't do it right the first time. Let's do it again. Like, oh God, like, it's, you know, it's like, They've run out of ideas, guys. I'm sorry. There's no more to do with Evil Dead. Yeah, I don't know. There, yeah, I mean, Evil Dead, as I said, the movie is scary. Like, the show was not scary. Like, it was decidedly funny. Yeah. And, like, I'm all about a good horror comedy that's, like, gory and funny. But to me, that's not what I want from Evil Dead. So, like, the show was amusing. It just wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. So, like... And, then, yeah, and it said, you know what else it says? It says, yeah. like, if instead of doing another show... If they did that a movie like that, even if like the first season was pared down as somehow just a movie for the same beginning, middle, and end story, you know, like pared down, I would have walked away being like, yeah, okay, like I think I'm done with this. Just in general, like I'm done. I, I'm satisfied with my evil deadness, and I would like for everyone to go. We did a great thing, and let's go do something else. Yeah, I mean, and how many Cabin in the Woods movies have happened since Evil Dead? So like, it's not even just like Evil Dead exists. It's like Evil Dead and like. Years of imitators exist. Or years so, of things. Yeah, things. There's so yeah. many horror movies that are comedy conscious that aren't like so slapsticky. I mean, even Deathgasm, we got that, which I really liked, which I know they're coming back and already I'm like, oh, God. You know, like sometimes I think the reason Mo and I have this argument a lot, she always wants when we're, we have some downtime, she's like, let's watch a show, let's pick up a show, let's check out the show. And I'm always like, let's watch some movies, like where there's like show versus movie mentality. And I think mm-hmm. the reason that I, with this podcast and just general, I'm leaning more towards movies these days is like, I'm not in the, I don't really need a 16 hour story. You know, I want to watch something that's an hour and a half. It is great. And leaves me feeling the thing they want me to feel and just move on. I want that standalone experience. I'm just 
and getting burned out on things are so long. I was talking about a coworker with this. I was telling them about about Apple Plus and all these new shows come to Apple Plus, and she was just like, uh, I hope it's bad." Like, and I feel that way now when new content comes out. It's like you know. I subconsciously want this to be terrible so I don't have to watch it. Yeah, I so I don't like, have another thing yeah. in the pile. I can cut I, mean, I, yeah. can, I can cut time in my day to watch a movie, standalone movie. I, I just can't. I'm just sick of putting, bringing on more fucking shows. And also, and we'll get to this in a second with Netflix, the streaming services have all the data to know what, how to make a show to make us watch it or subscribe to watch it long enough to get the money and then leave. So I'm just feeling like all these, quote, great shows – HBO still has some great stuff and like others, some smaller shutters still have some great stuff, but the big guys like Netflix and Hulu and, and are just like creating content that's made to be, when I say binged, I don't mean binged and enjoyed, just like stuff that people will go, fine, I'll watch this this weekend. You know what I mean? So I'm not even getting like yeah. satisfaction out of most new shows. I just feel like this clearly like it ticks all the boxes of a show that people will keep watching. And to me, keep watching. I'm not keep watching because I'm enthralled. I keep watching. It's like, well, I got to see what happens. Well, there's only six episodes, so six hours I can watch on Saturday. Well, I want to see what happens if people are talking about it. Well, I want to see this ending. Yeah. Okay, there's a cliffhanger, so I guess I'll watch the next season. But I'm not like, dude, you got to see Insert Show. I'm more like, all right, I'll watch this fucking show. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, Yeah, it's out of obligation and like, yeah, you know, social, whatever you call it. Yeah, we talked um, about last week about how Netflix is all like kind of like pumping the brakes on their big film productions. Like, oh, yeah, they're watch doing, that. yeah, because they're, they're like, algorithm algorithm based. Yeah, now, they could have put that budget into a show, and they know if this if we made Triple Frontier with not as famous actors, but made it a sixteen hour or ten hour show, they would have gotten way more viewers. They would have gotten way more subscribers, and they would have had a lot more people hanging on to to see what happens next. You know, and it's like, okay, like, but what is happening, what I find in a much larger discussion of this algorithm-based, you know, um, streaming platforms, and YouTube's the same one, is that AI generating this data, and the data is directly affecting what people are going to watch. We're finding that what people stick around and watch for is not great content. It's stuff that just teases this kind of, like, I have to see what happens, or you're creating this filter bubble that's telling me what I want to hear, or you're shocking me enough to make me come back. And it's like influencing the new content. You know what I mean? It's creating this like this flywheel, this feedback loop of like people are rabid about this content. So we're going to make more of a, yeah, but they're not watching it for the reasons you want to watch it. And it's creating this like anxiety or this like bubble mentality of more bullshit about this bullshit. And just making this, it's like eroding almost, you know, all these new shows I watch them like, Oh my God, this is made for like people who are like, obsessed with bullshit it's not made for people who want to watch like an entertaining show it's bad yeah yeah it's not good yeah. uh so sam raimi said i think you may see some action on the evil dead movie in the next six months i don't necessarily buy it this is him doing press for crawl and people are asking about evil dead it seems like you know he's just talking to get get headlines written but you know maybe maybe we'll see another evil dead eventually i'm almost certainly uh, Fetty, I, <laughs> I mean when i was when i was interning at uh uh Lionsgate in 20, oh my God, uh, 13, I guess, mm. or 2012. That's when they, every week at the weekly meeting, there was a line item and it was Evil Dead 2. And because it was supposed to be fast track after the first one. And it just slowly like kept getting pushed off that list until it was just not talked about again. Do you know why? And then, no, they just, they. I don't think the movie ended up making enough for them to be like excited about it. 
And like Fetty, you know, ended up doing Don't Breathe eventually, which was like fine. And like, I just think, it, I, I, don't, I don't know why it fell off the radar, but it definitely fell off the radar. And I, I don't know, I, I, I doubt Sam Raimi talking it up in the press is going to get much action taken on it. Yeah. Uh, all right, here, what else do I got? Uh, Marilyn Manson reveals that he'll have a role in the new adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. Yes, I will, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, he, he's not a bad actor. Everything he's been in, he's, you know, he's been fine in. And he just, he uh, just I think it's, has, he just exudes a terrifying presence. Yeah, he's creepy. You know? uh, so the show stars James Marsden, Amber Heard, Whoopi Goldberg, Greg Kinnear, Odessa Young, Henry Zaga, and Marilyn Manson. Um, and that's coming out later this year, or maybe, no, 2020. I'm not sure. CBS All Access. All right, I'll, I'll hang on to CBS All Access. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend so, that anyone who hasn't watched the miniseries watch it. It's actually very good. It's very competent. It is a television miniseries, so it kind of lacks in a little bit of like the, um, how should I say, you know, special effects. Or, or But uh, it's actually really great. And obviously the book is great, but if you don't want to dedicate six months of your life to reading it, I would, I would say that I watched The Stand recently. I think it's on YouTube. And it uh, holds up well enough to be enjoyed okay yeah i haven't watched that but i I would like to um blumhouse uh there's a poster that just dropped and i guess a trailer that's in theaters only before crawl but Mm -hmm. i did they didn't play it before my movie when i saw crawl but it's called the hunt and it's from blumhouse and it sounds like yet another take on like you know the world's most dangerous game people getting hunted uh the premise is 12 strangers wake up in a clearing they don't know where they are or how they got there they don't know where they've been chosen for a very specific purpose the hunt in the shadow of a dark internet conspiracy theory a group of globalist elites gathers for the first time at a remote manor house to hunt humans for sport but the elite's master plan is about to be derailed because one of the hunted knows the hunter's game better than they do she turns the tables on the killers picking them off one by one um it sounds very generic the cast is a little better than you'd expect. It's Betty Gilpin of uh, Glow, uh, okay. Hilary Swank, Emma Roberts, uh, Glenn Howerton of Always Sunny. Yeah, um, you know, he's going to be the guy who's like, blah, 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 dead. Yeah, that's him. Uh, directed by Craig Zobel, who did Z for Zachariah, which people liked the movie, and The Leftovers. Wait, and Z it's for Zachariah by- was a documentary. Z for Zachariah is a... Uh, uh, not a, 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 a Ebola movie or something. Uh, no, it's something a zombie else. movie, isn't it? It's isn't Z for Zachariah uh, some sort of a apocalyptic zombie movie? It was like a 2015 thing. It like it had a great cast, but it like never really came out. It had like a really poor release. It's like Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor and Chris Pine. Oh, yeah, um, I kept thinking of a different movie. Oh, isn't the one where yeah, yeah. it's like, it's like post-apocalyptic? There's a couple, and then another dude shows up. Yeah, it, yeah, I didn't actually see this movie, but um, that is what it's about. And that guy, Craig Zobel, is directing this, and it's also written by Damon Lindelof and um, fellow Leftovers collaborator Nick Hughes. So it's a movie from the creators of the Leftovers that is like the most dangerous game. It looks a lot like I haven't finished. I, I keep avoiding the trailer for. Oh, I was thinking of Dear Zachary. I'm sorry. Oh, Dear Zachary is the most fucked up documentary ever. Saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Saddest thing I've ever seen, too. If you've never seen Dear Zachary and you want to ruin your night, I'll yeah. have to tell you anything about it. Go see it. Go watch it. Um, but, yeah, The Hunt, I haven't seen the trailer yet, but the poster, it just sounds very generic. It should be fun uh, with that cast 
Um, it sounds a lot like Ready or Not, which is coming out, the hide or seek movie, uh, the hide and seek movie that uh, it's not a Blumhouse, but it looks very similar. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Nothing really remarkable there. But speaking of Blumhouse, the latest rumor is that David Gordon Green is returning to do Halloween 2, but he's also returning to do Halloween 3, and that Halloween 2 and 3, or whatever they're going to call them, is they're both going to come out back-to-back in the same month, yeah. um, which sounds unbelievable to me that they would do two Halloween movies in October 2020 at the same time. I'm curious about that because like, do you think they're going to be seen at Watched in Order? I know it seems like a weird thing, but like, to put them out like, do you think they want to do like one one comes out and then like two weekends later the next one comes out like and then they're out but like you know does that make sense because i feel like they gotta give people yeah. like 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 a good like month or two to see a movie to be like we got two at the same time like that's a very interesting strategy to try and get like to try and just pretty much like dominate yeah. a weekend like well no one's gonna see the second one first and i mean and also let's be honest everyone is stupid so people might go to see the second one on accident think it's the first one you know what i mean yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting bet if they were to do it. Um, there's an R.L. Stein adaptation coming out that's doing this. It's called Fear Street. They're also experimenting with back to back to back. I think it was three, and I think it was month to m- month after month. Um, but this sounds like you know. I, I wonder. I wonder if this is true. I wonder if it's just a rumor. Either way, it sounds like uh, David Gordon Green is going to come back. We already know that. Like they just they confirmed a second one's happening. Uh, so this third one is just. Is this, you know, is the third one really just the second part of the second one that we've heard about? Like, I, I just don't know where, where, we're, where we're at with Dude, this. You know, I, but, okay, so I would just say this. I would lose my mind. I would literally lose my mind in the best way possible if they come out one that's a sequel to the last Halloween movie and the other one is like a reboot of Season of the Witch, which is a completely standalone story. How fucking amazing would that be? How amazing would that be? I, that would be peak horror heaven yeah. for me. I would love that. Yeah, well, let's let's put that into the universe. Yeah. Let's let's make that another and new production. If we could somehow production. get Tom Atkins in this thing, I would lose my fucking mind. Is Tom Atkins alive? Sure is. Wow. Yeah, we got to get Tom my Atkins. Homie's still banging, baby. He's eighty-three. My yeah. God. Wow. Okay. Um, another bit of news. Joe teased it mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, Saw Nine officially is underway in filming, and bloody disgusting can exclusively confirm. And this has since been reported by other people, so I believe it. Uh, Chris Rock, and we already knew Chris Rock was going to be in it, but Samuel L. Jackson is also going to be in it. So the ninth Saw movie has uh, the you know the highest uh, star meter, definitely for sure. Like this is a these these movies are going from cheap no name actors to two A listers. You think of a time when I mean, uh, correct me wrong, but like I've watched, there's never been A listers in this. It's always been like unknowns has been it's been it's played that kind of nightmare well, on elm street the biggest, sort of, the yeah. biggest was the biggest guy was a carry elway first one or and danny glover his name is from yeah, the danny glover one. who was like barely yeah. in it that's so interesting yeah, i mean right. that, that was like horror franchise 101 get no names because you're not there for the actors you're there for like the murdering and the monsters wow yeah totally that's an interesting um, spin on that yeah i hope that i hope it's good i mean i'm, I'm stoked chris rock uh I don't know if he necessarily wrote it, but he created the story, and he's probably at least helping. Chris write Rock it. has not uh, had the best luck be with movies, it. at least like box office smashes. Right? People, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. People like his stuff though. Like uh, Top Five did. Really I like well. the one. I liked. Uh, um, I love CB4, but that one's another one like 
classic comedy. I mean, that, that, that one's more like a, a relic of a time. I don't know if it's like a great movie. Um, he's been in some stuff. I right. mean, like, it's not, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, like, I'm sure the numbers are good. I mean, they wouldn't give it to him if he didn't have like good numbers. But uh, my question is, will Saw 9 take place during 8, 7, and 6 like how they normally do it? <laughs> I'm hoping it's a new take, like entirely. And could I'm someone, to do with the other ones, do you or think maybe someone could take the this minus Jigsaw, or maybe with the Jigsaw movie, could take the Saw movies, the ones that take place all during it, and make a mega cut to where it's like the, just Saw one. Yeah, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like some of like just eventually you're watching it, and eventually like when it's like the third act of like story one, story two begins, and there's kind of like overlapping it, like time. So then, of course, like even though like when you get to like where four five and six overlap, it's like the reveal is six is like, like, yeah, we just saw that. You know what I mean? Like we, we see it happening. So it's not a surprise <laughs> that we know that it's ha- it's happening at the same time. Like, yeah, we know. I, I really love for someone to do that. And some fucking saw head listening to the podcast wants to do that. Yeah, please That'd do. That'd be so please fun. Someone, I would love to maybe, watch that. Maybe the guy who, who wrote the fax machine script yeah. can do that. I know, I know we're putting a lot of burden on you, but, uh, uh, Go I got a bit. It. I got a, a uh-huh. quick bit and piece. The Raid star Joe okay. Taslim will play Sub Zero in New Line's Mortal Kombat movie. Attention, everyone! Attention, yeah. everyone working on the Mortal Kombat movie. Just use the cast of the Raid. Just use the cast of the Raid. Even uh-huh. maybe, and the director yeah. and the writer. And you know what? Isn't uh, Luke Cage or Johnny Cage? Who's the Cage guy in that? White guy, the only white guy in Mortal Kombat. What's his name? Isn't it? It's Johnny not Cage. Luke Cage because Luke Cage. I don't yeah, mind if that guy's Asian. Make him all Asian. Make Goro <laughs> yeah. Asian. I want an Asian Goro. Can we please get any social justice warriors listening to the podcast uh, to start some sort of a uh, uh, petition dot org that Goro <laughs> should be Asian? Goro is a rigid. Goro is an Asian mythological creature. If they do a white Goro, I will not see this movie. Yes, I'm saying it right now. Wow. You're Hashtag Asian Goro. Uh, <laughs> screenwriter Greg Russo tweeted this week also that since it's already been stated by other members of the team I'm going to put this one to bed the new Mortal Kombat will be rated R for the first time ever and fatalities will finally be Ooh, on I'm the gonna big we're going to see screen. some skull, skulls ripped out with the spines attached yeah it's going to be fucked up um, I mean for me I, I tweeted when this news came out that my favorite genre of news lately is just the star of Raid has been cast in something yeah. because I love I love every movie that yeah. these guys are involved in. The Night Comes for Us yep. is incredible. There's a new one actually right now on uh, Netflix. Triple Threat. Holy shit! I Check absolutely would. No idea. What annoys me is these things are getting the the triple T R I P L E T H R E A T. Is it English? Not like it matters. I'm curious. Um, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, it's just annoying that like these things don't get enough attention because like because I feel like the John Wick films get the attention that the Raid movies deserve. Because every time someone talks about John Wick film, like, dude, these action sequences, these shooting sequences, and then I've seen a, a few because I did that video that's coming out. So I get it that it's really good, but I'm also looking at being like, yo, the Raid is just as hot as this. Like, why are we not talking about the Raid? Oh, for sure. Because it's not American and, and Keanu yeah, Reeves isn't in it. That's why. Yeah. Um, what do I have here? Remember remember Momo, the viral <laughs> thing course. that ended up yeah, being a hoax? It was just this image of a creepy woman with eyes bugging out and her like mouth made like a boomerang. It's really yeah, weird. And her body's looking. a bird. Yeah, her body's a bird. Um, anyway, Orion Pictures is adapting this viral hoax into a horror film. So what's annoying to me is that they're now not even adapting like a viral thing that actually happened. 
they're adapting a viral thing that was fake. <laughs> Slender Man, Bye Bye Man. Uh, yeah, it's the same Truth shit. Truth or Dare or Die, whatever it is. Every six months we get a horror movie that it's basically what they want to do is. It's like hey, a viral everyone, challenge. Yeah. You know that thing that you were afraid your kids, that might kill your kids online? We turned it into a movie. But like these things, it's like, I mean, the Momo challenge or the mobo whatever this thing is uh this movie only would have worked if it came out the weekend we gave a shit like the second like that that weekend that we were all scared about that or people where i was it would need to have been fast tracked it got greenlit but but the time it takes so long to make a movie it's like you almost have to like remind people hey remember you were scared of this thing and people are like uh not really i mean i'm not a parent but i could assume that if you have a teenage child Literally every day there's a new thing you're terrified your kid is consuming online or watching or a part of or knows, you know, from pedophiles and YouTube comments to this to like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Snapchatting dead bodies to trying to lay in, lay in the middle of the expressway because it's a viral prank or planking or, you know, uh, whatevering. Right. It's like, but it's, you, can't make a, you can't make a movie that fast about it because nobody gives a shit. I completely yeah. forgot about this until you sent to me. Yeah, and, and I, I had to read the whole thing to remember what it was even because yeah. it wasn't real. It was purported to be – the rumors were that there's a – the Momo Challenge is a game that encouraged ch- kids to like hurt themselves. And the rumor was that like they were inserting these things into like children's videos on YouTube, which was all bullshit. But then of course a couple people tr- – then a couple people did end up trying yeah. to do that. Um, it's just like these like self-fulfilling internet – phenomenon things leave them alone don't make a fucking yeah. horror movie about them i yeah. don't know pretty gross um and this is just uh uh, uh ari aster did, did a reddit ama recently and sure. we we mentioned last week that he did have an extended cut and he just went a little bit longer about that and he said that he's working on the extended cut and that it will be at least 30 minutes longer and that the movie was initially tagged with an nc-17 rating for at least for six weeks with a lot of back and forth before they eventually got it to an r so, really? man, it would be interesting. I wonder what I wonder what the thirty minute longer version looks like. Is it like one segment got taken out? I thought I heard, I thought I heard that they just the they did time? they did more of the uh, the inbreded guy. Like he's in it a lot. Well, I'm sure they did because that that it's all over the marketing and he's barely in the movie. Um, yeah, I think there's be a lot of that. Um, I mean, and if it's if it's if it's stuff that got cut because of NC17 stuff, like there actually might be a lot more gore that we didn't see. Um, I'm just uh, still keep very, in mind, I'm NC very 17, high on that movie. NC, yeah, me too. But NC-17 isn't serial like gore. It's also like the implication. I mean, the fact right. that this movie was like, you know, they talk pretty openly about purposely incesting and, and, and the, not in group sex, but like a bunch of naked people standing around, you know, as a guy's pretty much drugged into thinking that he needs to have sex with this woman to purposely to impregnate her, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a lot of heavy stuff in this movie. Spoiler alerts, by the way. Uh, and I, and I read some of the interview of the guy, that main actor guy, the guy from Jack Rayner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he said that they took him two weeks to shoot that, those segments and he was just pretty much naked the whole time on set. And it was really difficult because he's running around naked, standing around other naked people, having to perform the most awkward sex scene, put the, put the camera probably, uh, in a very long time, you know what I mean? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like the making this movie was very difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was worth it though. I think Absolutely. it's so yeah. good. Um, and all the other, the, the last bit of news is that um, Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele's uh, Candyman is. The Chicago Tribune reported that it's slated to start filming in Chicago in mid-August and wrap in early fall. Wonderful. And uh, very fucking excited for that. June twelfth, twenty twenty. I know. Yeah, it's, 
Thank it's, you. Yeah, it's right, less than a year away. That's, That's right. It's also my birthday. Wow. Yay. There you go. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have anything else except you sent me that one tweet about the guy who took a screen grab of that Eddie Murphy interview about coming to America and dealing with John Landis. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but it was interesting. <laughs> I just I just read it and I was just being like, ah, Max Landis' dad, everybody. If anyone didn't know this, at least then, uh, John Landis is a fucking asshole and was very difficult to work with and was fucking with that, tried to fuck around with Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy's the height of his powers. Didn't go so well. Uh, apparently on the set for most of the time, it was a uh, pissing contest and Eddie Murphy wholehandedly won. And John Landis is a crank. And I'm not surprised why his son is such a fucking dickhead. Yeah, just Google Eddie Murphy, John Landis interview, and you'll probably find it. It's yeah. pretty scathing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's that's do That's when uh, that movie came out, too. So it's like, it wasn't like, in retrospect, it was the movie just came, the movie was just done, and Eddie Murphy was like, let me tell how much of a fucking prick this guy Yeah, is. fuck this guy. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. It's pretty Unhinged. Funny. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, a three, a two, a one. What did you Okay, what's going to be our main event? What do you want to be our main event? Let's do uh, Culture Shock main event, Gollum right before that, and I'll do Crawl right before that. So what did you see besides Uh, those? Besides that, I just watched watched those two, so watch him and we did Crawl. Okay. Okay, so Crawl is the new movie from Alessandra Aja, the director of, I would say most famously, High Tension or Hot Tension. Yep. Um, and then since then, he's done a lot of American crap. <laughs> um, well, he did the Hills Have Eyes remake, which people liked at the time, I believe. And I think I liked at the time. Mm-hmm. He did Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland, which I never I saw. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I never saw it, but people hated it. He did some, God, some movie that's like The Ninth Life of Louis Drax or something um, no that idea. came out a couple of years ago and is on... HBO, but I still haven't watched. Uh, yeah, he also did Piranha 3D, which people liked. Yeah, the, the Ninth Life of Louis Drax, I haven't seen. Anyway, he's had quite a career uh, making... Actually, you know, he hasn't made... I feel like he, he peaked early. Like, high tension, he burst onto the scene. It was this movie that was so popular, it got, like, a dubbed release in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did Hills of Eyes, which was huge. And then since then, it's been dwindling returns for him. It was Mirrors, Piranha 3D, then the, the movie based on Joe Hill's Horns, that no one really liked. Yeah, I did not like that at all. Yeah, Horns starring Harry Potter. Uh, and then, yeah, Ninth Life of Louis Drax, which got, like, no theatrical release. It was in one theater in New York, I remember. I didn't see it. Uh, and now here we are with Crawl, which... He produced a Maniac. Oh, he produced a Maniac movie that was all from the perspective yeah, of Yeah, the POV Maniac, Elijah which Wood. I liked just fine. I did, like, yeah. I liked... Yeah, exactly. Like, I really, like, admired its ambition, and I thought he was great in that, but it really was, like, when you do a in real time movie of a serial killer killing people like with no, I don't if I recall correctly, there was no breaks. It was all I like in real time. It was just like, Hey, appreciate what you guys did here. But it just was not like it had to work to stay, stay with. If I recall, they, they did a lot of flashbacks with his like mom, his like fucked up history with his mom. I don't really remember. And also a lot of like, you know, when someone's crazy that they start seeing things. So it did a really good job of like baking in his, his dimension or psychosis, into like what he sees and again everything about the movie is really good and ambitious except the final product yeah i'm a little i thought it was all right but yeah anyway yeah it was just okay yeah it was fine um but the, uh, so the news came a while ago that uh aja was gonna work with sam raimi 
to make yeah. a horror movie. And that's and and, and yeah. that's here we are with uh, Crawl, and the movie is basically very simple. Uh, in, in the middle of a Category Five hurricane, a woman goes to save her father from you know this this incoming hurricane because they can't get a hold of him and they assume something's wrong. And everyone tells pretty her much not the to, house is pretty much flooded. Like yeah, everyone everyone tells like her not to water. go, but she goes anyway. And of course, uh-huh. yeah, she gets there. She ends up finding him in the crawl space under the house. It's already flooding, and the, the movie plays it really well in that like the reveal of the crocodile is actually very, very, very fucking scary. Because yeah. even though, first of all, this is another one of those movies where trailers I've been avoiding just because I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna see it. Why watch it? So I don't know how much mm-hmm. is given away in the trailer. But I will say, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give it away. I think Crawl is very good. It's very surprising in that this is like the movie everyone is kind of rallying around all of a sudden this summer. I feel like this summer yeah. is just so bad that this movie, even though it's not amazing, it's just like, yeah, it's a crocodile movie. It's very fun and it gets the job done. It delivers what you want from it. So I feel like everyone yeah, just it has, like, you know what? I, yeah. I consider this movie like having like, like it's the Jaws premise or I like to say like it's the, it's, I don't want to say creature feature because it's not a feature, but for, for a shorthand, I'll say, I love a creature feature movie where it's like simply really awesome version, a really terrifying version of something that exists. Jaws being a, a terrifying great white shark and this being a giant crocodile. And it's just like people just trying to get away from this thing in this environment. Like it's simple. You know what it means. That, you know what the movie's going to be the second you look at the poster. Right. When this, tra- when this trailer dropped halfway through it, I'm like, I'm like, I'm absolutely going to see this. I don't need Hopefully, and don't spoil it, hopefully it's not a mutant crocodile. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not a, a lab-engineered crocodile. It is just a fucking terrifying crocodile. Yeah. One of the bigger ones you've ever run into, and it's doing what it does, trying to eat things or kill things. And unfortunately, unlike people being in the swamp, it's like this reason that the hurricane has brought the crocodile to them. It's like, perfect. I just want to watch people. Yes. I mean – I saw I saw in the trailer uh, a part where she I think she's in the kitchen and the water's pretty much up to the cabinets. She's pretty much playing a game of the floor is lava, oh, but in yep. case of the floor being lava, the floor is and fucking I, alligators. I wrote that down. Like, I, wrote, perfect. I wrote down the floor is lava while watching this movie. Perfect, um, dude. I, I at least once a day I'll be somewhere and if I'm bored I'll look around and be like, if the floor was lava, how would I get out of this room? And I'm looking at bookshelves. I'm looking at furniture. I'm like, oh, I bet I could hang from those rafters and climb across. And like. It's just something I, my mind naturally goes yeah, I think to. Like, all, there was like, yeah. I don't know if it's a gender thing. I was going to say all people who grew up doing that, just okay, like I feel like it never leaves you. <laughs> you're always thinking about mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. could leave a room out like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. you're right. This movie is good for the exact same reason that 47 Meters Down is good, which is that mm. movie's where you're, you know, you're trapped 47 meters underwater with a shark or in a cage where there's a shark trying yep. to kill you. That is an inherently yeah. – scary premise you know the the shark didn't need to be mutant or giant like in the meg which sucks <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just a real shark or i mean a fake real shark um terrorizing man the premise Moore. of the movie is a real shark right exactly so this yeah. yeah that's exactly why crawl is so good um crawl first of all under 90 minutes like almost 80 it's like very there short you go. it's very there short you go. um I will say like the movie does try to have like character moments and give you a reason to care about the characters and give you like an emotional through line. But I, I posit that that stuff is the weakest part of the movie and it, it's not that interesting and it's kind of forced, but you know, at least the father's played. But by, you need a reason. You need a reason. Right? You need you a reason. reason. To I to- totally get it. You need a reason. And uh, if you're going to do that storyline, 
they got Barry Pepper for the for the father, and that's great. I love Barry Pepper. Yep, He's love so that guy. Shout out to Scientology, Barry Pepper. Oh, I didn't realize. God damn it, um, dude! He was he was in um, Battlefield Earth. Why else would he? Ah, uh, that's right. I mean, I never seen Battlefield Earth. Come on, well, it really fucking sucks. Yeah, of <laughs> it really course. fucking sucks. Um, but yeah, the the story opens with this girl. She's like, uh, I love that the movie does this. Where like she's like a pro swimmer at school she's like a university of florida diving team or a swimmer person so yeah so the movie just sets up this really fun thing like yeah so this person uh everyone in her life her sister calls like yeah i can't get a hold of dad but like don't go i know there's a hurricane coming just stay put everyone tells her not to go she runs into a guy who's like uh uh ends up being her friend who's like guiding traffic and stopping traffic who's like yeah you can't go she says fuck you and just kind of rides around anyway so she's in this place where she's not supposed to be so like you know it's gonna get really bad um, yep. And yeah, she goes to the home. She's and crossed she, the thr- according to Joseph Campbell. She has crossed the threshold. Yeah, she's crossed the threshold. Um, so she gets to the house and she uh, finds her dad after like you know twenty minutes of looking because dude is like passed out. She can't find him, um, and she ends mm-hmm. up finding him in the crawl space. Um, and then I'm telling you, I don't want to. I mean, there's not much you can really spoil. It's just a very fun movie to watch. Um, I'm not going to get into any of the. You, you said don't talk about it. I won't. Um, mm-hmm. About like beyond the basic premise. But like the movie sustains its eighty minutes very well. Um, yeah. It 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 only lists the two names in the credits, so I was like, wow, it's really just a two hander with these two people. But and it, it is, but it isn't. Like it it is for the most part. But don't worry, there are <laughs> nameless victims who get killed uh, along the way. I was people wor- get jumped. Yeah, I was worried it was gonna. When I saw the two names, I'm like, oh, this is just gonna be all suspense and like no gore. And I was like, well, no, it's rated R, so I'm sure there's some gore. Uh, yeah, there's some gore. It's pretty good. Um. My my only issue, if I had to complain about this movie that was very fun and that I really liked and that is like a highlight of the summer because the summer sucks, this and Child's Play were both unexpectedly very good. Um, mm-hmm. If I have a complaint, it's that there's not enough practical effects. It's very it's a very CGI heavy movie. Um, I yeah. believe I saw in interviews that Aja was like, you know, we had a practical we had a practical tail, we had a practical head, and like you know sure. we we added CGI to those things, and like I don't know the CGI is sure. very dodgy. I will say throughout, it's a very inexpensive movie. This movie I think cost just over ten million or something, mm-hmm. um, but you know given those parameters, this movie <laughs> it's so fun. It delivers. I don't know what if you if you're going to see this movie based on the premise like woman trapped in crawl space with crocodile, um, mm-hmm. you will be satisfied. Uh, and yeah, it, the, the, the father daughter stuff is really grating at times to me. Like for me, it was just like very movie of the week, roll your eyes type of narrative, but like you need something in this movie to make it, you can't just have total gore the whole time. And sure. like, I, I think uh, it's one of the best, I mean, Aja hasn't made, you know, a bunch of great movies. So I think it's a, it's a worthy entry in his catalog. I think it's better than most of his works. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great Sam Raimi produced movie. It doesn't feel like a Raimi produced movie really in that it's not like silly or goofy or, you know what? There's one shot that I guess kind of was like, Oh yeah, this is Sam Raimi and I'll tell you what it is. And I'll, I'll call it a spoiler. It's a spoiler, I guess. Um, Uh There's just a sequence where she's in the basement or she's trying to like break through the ceiling to, to get to the upstairs and uh you know it, it's dusty down there and shit and she's always running through cobwebs and stuff but she like breaks through a certain thing and it's like a i don't know what you it's not a hive but whatever you call where spiders are kept 
she basically sure. breaks open spiders a hive mouth. of yeah of spiders and they fucking all fall into her face and on her mouth and it's like it's just like another it's that moment That'll that thing. moment is like oh this is like can drag me to hell like the, the looney tune yeah. the looney tune cartoonish yeah. stuff like that yeah and like it's still very scary and it's played for it's played for a scare but like it's one of those scares where like you laugh because you're like oh fuck this is so gross i hate it um yeah it's really fun it's it it's a very fun movie everyone i know who's seen it has said the same thing um i i recommend it right. I, I hardly recommend it All and right. i think you should actually see it in theaters terrific i will go see it this week yeah wonderful that's great to hear all right um the Gollum. the Gollum. uh netflix is right let me give you the preamble real quick sorry i just closed the window it's okay it's uh, uh, uh yeah what were you gonna say new, about new, it? new to new to the flicks yeah it's new to netflix currently there Kind of came, I, I, one of those things where just like one day it's like, oh, there's this movie. It says 2018. I didn't hear about it. it. Just became, oh no, I'm sorry. It came out in, I guess it was in theaters February 5th of this year. Not, not anyway, theater. During- it was, it was like, it, that theater date is probably a festival date. It's one of those movies that okay. played a few horror festivals in America. I'm sure it got a mm-hmm. release in Israel, but it is now, yeah, just, I think most cool. American audiences disco- will discover it now on Netflix. Yeah, so during an outbreak of a deadly plague, a mystical woman must save her tight-knit Jewish community from foreign invaders, but the entity she conjures to protect them is far greater evil. I don't know much about Jewish mythology, but funny the Gollum is this creature that supposedly could be brought to life to basically save Jewish people because obviously they've been persecuted forever. And he's big and he's strong and he stomps and he kills all the bad guys. I don't know what the parable of the Gollum is other than I that. mean, it's just this Jewish folklore that I don't remember hearing it in Hebrew school or anything. But I did take a God. It was a German film class in college where one of the first There's a movies, movie. Yeah, it's from 1915. It's like very mm-hmm. old, and like yeah, it's the same premise where it's just a Jewish myth where basically a human is playing God and uh, creating this mon this this creature, creating life, and the creature ends up being this monster that is for your defense. So it's it's the Jewish Frankenstein, pretty much. It's the Jewish Frankenstein, and what this movie does. Is uh, modern. I mean, it's set in the old times, but it kind of modernizes the take on it. It's like mm-hmm. it's the same thing, but except we're kind of doing it in the guise of a what do you call it, an evil kid movie? Yeah, the powers are less. I'm so big and strong, I stomp and punch and, and break things in half and stop the bad guys that way. This is more of like she conjures what would be a child that quickly grows to the age of. I don't know, seven or eight. He's kind of like the kid in Brightburn. He just has these powers of being able to make people's heads explode and just like these like mythical powers of, you know, he's indestructible and he's just like killing people and, and, and like, you know, and the yeah. only person who reigned in is the woman who brought it, who coincidentally enough, the backstory is that they had a child and they lost it. And this is, you know, the, olden times where it's a small village and it's, it's like 17th everything. century lithuania or something yeah everything is filtered through the religion so everything is about what god wants and you know like they're trying to be very religious people but there's a plague going on elsewhere and this group of travelers who are decidedly not jewish or definitely not yeah, jewish. i think they're russian they're supposed to yeah. be russian in the movie they pretty much show up and they're like everyone's dying in this plague except you guys and obviously anti-semitism is a huge thing even back then so it must be your fault or how come you're not doing it or we're bringing it basically to your doorstep because we're just fucking crazy assholes they kill people in the village they're terrorizing them i forget if the, the disease actually spreads to people in the village but now these this jewish community is trying to use peaceful things to stop it's obviously not working and then her in this moment of just like anger of what's happening uses her powers to bring forth the golem to save them and it kind of starts wreaking havoc not knowing those people but also their own town 
This movie tight, sounded tight movie, yeah. Yeah, Hour it's, and a half. yeah, yeah. It's very tight. It's about ninety, a little over maybe. Yeah. It sounded boring to me, and mm-hmm. it started boring to me, and mm-hmm. I think it picks up about twenty minutes in, basically when the when the outsiders show up and kind of yeah. take, take them hostage. But mm-hmm. this movie's actually really quite good. For, yeah, I really enjoyed it, especially for the budget that I'm sure was nothing because it looks pretty mm-hmm. all right. It's shot mm-hmm. very well, and it has mm-hmm. these interesting themes, like like um. The first time you see the character who ends up creating the golem, this female character, she's like hiding in the floorboards, like secretly listening to the men, like list- talking about the Torah or the Kabbalah and like, yeah. you know, all this religious stuff that women aren't supposed to hear. So the movie mm-hmm. has this whole layer of like this female protagonist who's like doing the forbidden shit that she's not supposed to do, which is like really interesting, especially given it's set in like 17, whatever. Um, I just, I, I mean, once the, all came together and like you learn that she you know had this son and that like her husband thinks that they've been trying for a son but she secretly has not been she's basically been taking 17th century birth control is that is that the is that the uh is that what you took from that scene yeah she's rubbing some sort of potion on her pussy (laughs) well put but yeah basically she's like yeah she's she's not trying to have this kid and this guy has so it's really so her you know it just builds up this conflict and like it really makes the moment where she chooses to do it impactful and the whole movie then like the kid basically looks like her kid i think is the implication um and yeah. like it's just kind of like yeah there's now they created this kid and like it's kind of it's almost like you know jewish pet cemetery in a way kind of dealing yeah, with, the way, same, with the same with the same themes also, yeah, or it's yeah, presented in that way yeah yeah I, I, that's, that's a good way of putting it of uh uh, I don't and not necessarily that she brought her son back, but it's like this Gollum has taken the form of a boy who could potentially be her son. Right. And yeah, it definitely has this thing of like, you know, after a while when people kind of get what's going on, they're telling her like, you know, it's not your son, but that isn't your boy. I don't know if his name's like Jacob or Joseph or something like he is gone and this is not your child. And she's just having a hard time making that connection. And eventually this, this Gollum, this creature's, non-stop destruction and path of like i mean at one point he kills the, the the top rabbi or top religious guy i mean he's pretty much like like unstoppable unless the mother does something yeah, he's got he's got one move he's got make people's head explode <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so it's a <laughs> nice little small story of like what, what is to be done about this thing that kind of like solved their problems i guess the uh, the visitors have now gone away or all been killed but it also is like now we got this fucking kid that's like just 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 destroying everything you know yeah and i really love that scene where where the mom kind of uses her power for the first time with the kid and like sends it to the basically she could have massacred these people but she like lets them leave she's like like brings the kid to the brink of destroying them and has the guy like shoot shotguns at the kid for a while yeah and then it's like okay now you can leave i I don't know there's a lot of it's it's a really well-made movie and like it's a israeli film but it's in english and these director, uh, there's two brother Paz, directors, Doran and yeah, Yorav. Doran and Yoav Paz. They did some Jerusalem, a movie called Jerusalem, I think, with a Z. That is maybe a zombie movie that I haven't seen. Um, but I'm very excited for whatever they, they do. I'm, they they feel. I'm sorry. Jeru- Jerusalem Two was announced. Mm, nice. I was going to say they hear. feel like. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you not hear me? Hello. Yeah. Hello? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, I can hear you, and you can hear me. Great. Um, Jesus. I was saying that. What's happening? You're too loud. Back up on the mic. Oh, sorry. Um, 
what I was saying is these guys uh, feel like they're going to be like American direct American companies going to get hire them to do something. They're going to, they're going to adapt some script. They're going to get hired to do some horror American horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So definitely check out the Gollum. It's on uh, Netflix and it's right. totally worth your time. It's, it's better than, better than I expected. Especially for like a, it's not direct to Netflix, but like a movie that like it's seeming. I, I'm assuming it skipped a theatrical release right, right to Netflix. That, that still is a bad sign. In, in America, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. All right, now yeah. in our main event, the I believe tenth installment into, into the Dark uh, series, ninth or tenth, Culture Shock, the July movie that apparently is very Americana, Fourth of July, Independence Day, celebrating America themed. Uh, that also is about the border crisis or the, the uh, issue of what's going on down in our southern border. Ahem. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, not so subtle on that. Starts with a woman, no. a pregnant woman who wants to desperately get into America, seemingly to find her baby daddy or seemingly just to get a better life for her child while trying to uh, get the fuck into America and crossing the border with a coyote. So already that's a majority of the thing of like the horror of what they really have to do to try and get through. They eventually run into border yeah. patrol and get a, and she gets arrested and she kind of passes out in the whole middle of it and then awakes to find herself in this idyllic American situation. But it's kind of weird because people are actually almost like Stepford wives. The people that she was crossing with are there, but they're not themselves. Every day she wakes up and the day is sort of repeating and things aren't really making sense and these bizarre things keep They're happening. repeating, but they're not. It's like notable that yeah. she's waking up every day and, and it's like the same situation, the same but day. she she has the memory of the day before. It's not like she's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Well, I guess it is kind of she Groundhog's is. Day. Everyone else is. She's yeah, day. it is, but it's, right. it's not right. – uh, what is happening is to be revealed eventually as it goes further on. And it yeah. is, like I said, it's, Which we'll get into. Yeah, it's into the house. This will be spoiler heavy into the dark Blumhouse. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that historically we have not enjoyed these movies. Uh, they feel like first drafts. They feel like a little too little too late. They feel like they're, the ideas are always like overly done yet undercooked in some sort of way. I always like would watch this and watch this and be like, yeah, I get where you're going with this. This and the Twilight Zone series have just yielded kind of like a mixed bag of, you know, feels like everyone kind of put half of an effort into it just to get something done. I think this goes into what I was saying before with uh, streaming platforms caring more about content, ticking the box of data versus being really great. Uh, some of these Into the Dark movies have been fucking horrible. One or two we've been like, yeah, not bad. Personally for this one, I will say... I'll put it in the yeah, not bad category. I would recommend watching it, but it's like an, it's still like an episode of a TV show. Like this could have been, par- this yeah, could have been pared down felt, to a Twilight yeah. Zone episode. Yeah, I was going to say it felt like one of the, twi- I mean, there is a Twilight Zone episode that's very, almost identical to this. Well, not identical, mm-hmm. but very similar themes. There's also another movie we talked about a month or two ago that's on mm-hmm. Shudder, Most Beautiful Island, that I think is a better movie that better. deals with similar themes. But yeah, I, I hate yeah. comparing them because they're, they're they're very different, but they're dealing with the same themes. And I think Most Beautiful Island, drop everything and watch that movie immediately. I thought it was very, very just artful where this this movie is more, I don't know, the third act is pretty different. I don't know, this movie is three distinct parts, you know? Yeah. And like the first part, um, the coyote section, that was probably the most compelling part 
because it's like Absolutely. real and it's like immediate and it's like wow this is what's actually happening it's and it, unlike the twilight zone episode which like had to put a white lady in the center of their story uh this one is like no this is an actual you know latina woman uh in the lead not they didn't have to transpose the story over which is great um so that story was actually really good um i'm pretty sure that section includes her rape by that guy and it's really fucked up and then um the second section is the surreal stepford wife-esque uh tim burton suburbia looking motherfuckers yeah like this clearly surreal and not Reality. Not supposed to, not, it's not supposed, yeah, it's a very surreal reality that you're not supposed to buy as genuine. And then the third That's act right. is kind of like blowing up of the second act, I yeah, guess. Why, kind of explain- what is happening and yeah. this like attempt to get out of it. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about what's happening because sure. my, my review of the movie on Letterboxd, which I gave it at probably two and a half stars, I think, uh-huh. out of five. Sure. Like that's how I feel about it, I think. Um, it was just, the matrix but illegal immigration is like what it, it, it gets down to sort of. it's just kind of yeah i mean the premise basically is or the, what the reveal is is like the suburban uh dream world thing is like actually like a, vir- a virtual what do you call it a virtual reality thing yeah, basically they're, they're plugging they're plugging these uh immigrants into a matrix like system Truly, it's just like the Matrix. They have so they have like they're very crude feeding tubes in this one, yeah. Which is like just played for like kind of grossness. Like there's a lot of sequences where people are eating food and it's kind of gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like there's these they're, the immigrants are basically in some warehouse or in some lab, plugged into the to a mm-hmm. to a computer and the com- or whatever you want to call it a computer a virtual reality situation and that's what they're living. So yeah, like, and they don't realize like save for they're her. living a, a, a distorted version of the American dream, and that's yeah. like what the the imagery is supposed to and be. The idea is that the government's like, you know, we have no room for these people, and we don't want them in here. You know, whatever they're taking jobs, they're being violent criminals, whatever the reason you want to pick. So why don't we just take them? We're doing a good thing by putting them into a simulation where it's like, here you are, you live in Americana, you have a house, you have friends. Every day is the 4th of July and you're celebrating and you're eating apple pie and pizza and there's barbecues and everyone's really nice and hello, how are you? And just what they don't realize is they're just on a slab somewhere, probably near the border, just like, yeah, hooked up to machines where things think it's happening. And she is this anomaly that is realizing that something is wrong. And when she wakes up, she remembers like, I just did this, even though everyone else doesn't. So it's kind of like at the end of the day, no, no one is remembering it and they go to sleep and they wake up and they do it all over again, not realizing that this, they're probably reliving this day for weeks, months, years, who knows. And she can even like wake up and, you know, there's a lab technician there who realizes like, holy shit, she can wake up or she can control it. Like the machine isn't just controlling their mind. She has the power to control it back. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say I get what it's saying because it's pretty obvious. It's anything deeper than what it's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you guess, get it. <laughs> I feel like it's just by this idea by the numbers. None of these reveals felt like, holy shit. I didn't feel like when I first saw The Matrix and Neo gets unplugged, I'm like, this is the craziest fucking movie I've ever seen. This movie, like, I wasn't, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't Yeah, I'm like, oh, it. this is doing The Matrix. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I che- I checked out at that point. I was like, I've seen this before, and now it's just kind of taking something I like and doing it with a, a, a you know, a lesser a version. pointed theme. Yeah, a lesser. I feel lesser chronologically version. wouldn't have been the best way to tell this. 
I feel like, I mean, if you're going to crib the matrix, you might as well have opened up on this woman and this great life, you know, Oh yeah. I used to live in Mexico. And then I came here and me and my son have this amazing life. And why are we suddenly, why is things suddenly glitchy? And then, you know what I mean? Like when you said the coyote thing was the most compelling part of it, I agree in theory it was, but I just feel like chronologically, like here's her life. She passes out. She wakes up in this perfect thing. I'm like, you've just in the middle of this movie. sewed this like mystery that I wasn't on board for originally. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, yeah. And uh, that scene is not, it's not actually that mysterious. It's like, and the imagery, it, it's just too, it's, it's almost too much. You know, it's like, it's too over the top. Yeah. I guess it would have been different if I believed it. If if it would have started up being like, like a more realistic version of her life, you know, being great. Yeah. It's too cartoonishly one way. It's too cartoonishly that dream sequence. Like if she woke up, like if we just cut to like, she has a job and lots of friends and she's looking at the border crisis and we on have TV. To, like, do some work to figure out what's yeah. happening. Like, holy shit, yeah. she really landed on her feet. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, it's hard to get in here. I yeah, really the got- movie gives you no room to think that because yeah. it's all, it's so clearly not real. You instantly think this is bullshit. Happened. Where versus the Matrix yeah. where of course we get a taste of like people jumping really far away and all this crazy stuff and, and it's all happening around Keanu Reeves. You're like, yo bro, what's going on in this shit? Oh my God, this computer simulation, this rules. This just like it told it, it, it. If they wanted this to be the reveal, they'll like, you know, look at these inhumane things we're doing to these people, you know, for quote their their benefit. I mean, the idea of sticking them in the cages now in real life. I mean, people are just like, no, this this is important for them. Like, they're actually lucky that they're in these cages, and, and the weakest can't let them into our country. Like, this is the best. Obviously, it's not true, but like that is a mentality. I think this is playing on. Just do you think keeping these people captive and telling them they're living the American dream, or this is the way that has to be done is good for them or their psyche? Clearly it is not, you know, and, and this has a, an ending where I like, again, I kind of like the ending when they're breaking out, spoiler alert, they get out and they're all like making a mad dash to run into America. And she starts going the other way. And like, no, it's this way. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I know I'm going home. Like I'm not, I'm not dealing with this shit. I did like that. But all at the same time, I think that kind of discredits like, what is actually happening? I don't think I can't speak for anyone who's currently held captive at our border, but like the reason that there were these like immigrant caravans is like they're leaving towns where people are literally being murdered left and right. Or they're, yes. leave, or they're yeah. leaving towns they're because asylum. Yeah. They're seeking asylum because like, and this is something that I, that I think is, should be played more in the media, but it's not okay. You know, a bleeding heart liberal alert, but like a lot of people come from farming villages that have completely been laid waste to by global warming. You know, the thing that we're doing so it's kind of like these are people who like generations were growing up on farms growing God knows what. And, and they've literally been ravaged by the inability to grow anything because the temperature, because of climate change actually decimated, you know, hundreds of miles of what was originally farm. And they have no food and they have no shops and nothing to do. They can't grow the foods they were eating. They got to go somewhere. They came up here. It's like, hey. And I could point and be like, hey, they're kind of here because we destroyed the planet. Like, you can't just be like, this isn't my problem. It's like, yeah, it kind of is. Like, you know, driving your fucking Hummers and, you know, uh, commercial farming has destroyed places around the equator. Yes, this is true. Fuck you if you don't believe it. So the idea is that being like, her to be like, yeah, I'm going to kind of go back. I mean, they kind of paint this picture of like, the town she came from sucks, but it's not so bad. You know, like, eh, I'm kind of out of here for better. And then it's just like, oh, I'm just going to go back. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, People were in these cages were like, we got yeah, here. Yeah, it kind of we, trivializes it. Yeah, it's like, like we literally yeah, were starving yeah. to death or cartels were murdering us by the hundreds because we have no police or, or anyway. Yeah, that. like I appreciate what this thing was trying to say. And like I, I, I get the overall, I guess the main theme, Amer- the American dream is a delusion. It's not mm-hmm. real. Like that. All, that's all well and good. Yeah. 
I just think the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't that they're just going. I wasn't impressed with to the going because she's like, well, I don't want my son to grow up in this town. It's like, I yeah, I kind of needed a little more of like, hey, if I don't leave, we'll both get killed. Like, okay, that makes a sense to leave. To me, it's exactly what I expected when I saw people praising an Into the Dark movie. I was like, it can't be very. I, I, my initial thought was it can't be that good, and it wasn't. But yeah. I think the bar is just so low on these that even the ones that are just slightly like better than okay, mm-hmm. they get wild praise. Yeah, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to wildly praise this movie. This movie is fine. Culture Shock is fine among the Into the Dark series. It's probably among the better ones. Yeah. But it's still like a it's still like a lesser product to me. Can someone than put like together a the golem? Can someone put together call. a a a list or just a retweet section of all the critics who've just been like, "Well, it took Blumhouse X months, but we finally have a good Into the Dark since number yeah, two. It's every, it's, we've had that. Yeah, yeah. There's tons. The of The news stories around has always been like, "Okay, after this many months, we finally have a good one." No, no. I mean, I it's it's perfectly fine. If you're really, if you if you're that curious about it, if what we said has sparked your interest, I don't know what we've said has been sparked your interest, but like, if you have to watch it, you'll be like, nah, it's all right. But it by no means is like a run to the run to your Hulu device and watch because the whole thing is just totally like, eh, yeah, all right. All these ones again, like perfect example of something that needed a second pass. Like, one, okay, we got the story locked in. Who's doing what and why? There was a way more interesting way to tell the story. I don't know what it is, but there was, and they just didn't give it enough time. So there you go. Yeah, I'm with you, hundred percent. Oh well, and that's what I have to say about oh, that. Oh well, uh, we well, crawl is good. You should go see it. Yes. Um, next week, um, I'm pretty sure there was another mainstream release. Let me take a look. I feel like we've been spoiled this summer. Am I wrong? Um, next week in theaters. No, oh, the Lion King is a different kind of horror movie. It looks terrifying. Photorealistic animals. Um, I don't know what we'll do next week. We'll have to uh, reconvene off mic and figure that out. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. I've learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Mom, the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.